0: And now, it's time once again for the show that gives glorious voice to 25 million business owners across the Fruited Plain. Radio Free Enterprise with Frank Felker. Hello,
1: hello, hello. Thank you, Dude Walker. Yes, indeed. I am Frank Felker. Welcome back to Radio Free Enterprise. My guest today is Jeremiah Davies, founder and president of Orion Home Improvements in Merrifield, Virginia. Jeremiah, welcome to the program.
0: Thanks, Frank, really glad to be here with you today.
1: Of all the types of businesses one could go into, it seems as though starting a home improvement business is one of the most popular options. Many people mistakenly assume that just because they're handy with a hammer, they're qualified to become the leader of a home improvement firm, which often results in some less than professional contracting companies out there but Jeremiah and his company are an exception to that profile. Orion is truly a professional contracting company that's seen tremendous growth over the past few years due to their focus on customer satisfaction. I've asked Jeremiah here to share some of his elements that have made his company the success that it is today and and the way it's growing going into the future. I wanna start with this, Jeremiah. I wanna ask you about the growth and changes that your company has experienced in just the past two years since you and I met in the summer of 2015?
0: Sure. Um, you know, I think that um, when you and I met, uh, you basically kind of uh, found me about the time that I was right in the middle of my first uh, kind of growth plan. Uh, what I do is I start with the end in mind, like, you know, most, uh, most successful people do. Uh, you write out a business plan or a set of goals, and you really have to have that clear, concise picture of what you want it to look like in the end. Um, so, for my construction company, uh, one of the things that I, I knew is myself being you know a very um, kind of um, smart and and confident person. I just figured if I had ten of me, uh, I could conquer the world <laughs> and so really, what I wanted to do is I just wanted to figure out you know how do I make ten of me and that 's just basically looking at all the things that I do, getting those items out on paper and standard policies and procedures, and then finding good people that could run those specific items and so again, when you found me, I was in the middle of um, you know kind of our our growth to $3 million in total revenue. And really, it, it really came down to, uh, you know, how many calls do we have to have coming in? Uh, how many people do I have to have to answer that volume of calls? Uh, what type of, you know, salesperson do I wanna have on my staff? And then really what type of production assets do we need to have to deliver the, uh, the quality of goods and services that are out there? Like you said, you know, uh, anybody who's great with a hammer, um, you know, they may be able to do good stuff for themselves, but when they spread themselves like too little butter over too much toast, and they get real thin, uh, their quality drops off. And that's one thing that I absolutely did not want or did not allow to happen uh, with my company as we started growing.
1: Well, so you were headed towards $3 million in sales at that time. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, juggling that goes on, but you made it. And so now what's your next uh, target that you're going for?
0: Well, right now, the, the team and I, uh, we're sitting down and we're brainstorming what a $10 million company looks like. And we're marching there, but uh, we want to make sure that we're doing it in the right way. So again, it, it starts with, you know, um, how many times does that phone need to ring to, uh, to generate what we need for 10 million? And, and then we, we kind of go from there. How many people do we need to, to answer the phone? And how do we answer the phone and take those calls in? And then how many salespeople do we need to service that number of phone calls? And once those, those contracts come in, uh, you know, what do we need in assets and admin to process the paperwork and make sure that the customer expectations are delivered in the, the final product? So, uh, so what we're doing is within the next three years or 36 months, we're going to take our company from about a 3.5 million, uh, 400 jobs a year type company up to a $10 million um, you know, construction company.
1: That's fantastic. Congratulations to you. And uh, I've always been impressed with your level of focus and clarity about what it is that you're looking to do and a realistic assessment of what it takes to get there. So if I might, you kind of the way you laid that out as how you're going to grow to the next step, you started with how many inbound calls have to happen and then how, many, uh, how will you administratively process and answer those calls and how many salespeople and so forth. It appears to me that like most businesses, your, your job as the entrepreneur breaks down into three areas, which is sales, production, and administration. Would you, first off, would you say that that's a fair statement?
0: Um, you know, if, uh, if I was to, to, you know, get down to the finer points, there's a little bit more that goes into it. But in the general scheme of things, those three areas really are where it's at.
1: Okay. So let's start with sales. Uh, That's usually where I start. That's where I think most people should start. And you just started with that when you were talking about (laughs) that a minute ago about, you know, here's where it starts. So tell me about your approach to sales. You know, a lot of homeowners uh, have had a less than satisfactory experience with a home improvement salesperson that's come into their home. What is different about your approach to sales that seems to resonate so strongly with uh, Northern Virginia homeowners?
0: well the the first and foremost thing is that uh, you know a lot of the the larger companies that uh, that you hear on the radio and you see on uh, TV commercials uh, they 're taking their sales staff and they 're really coming in from a very high pressure um, you know don 't take no for an answer kind of mindset where it 's our way or the highway and um, and that 's it so what I want to do is I personally don't like that approach if someone comes to my home and, and tries to uh, you know, do that approach with me or, or if I go to a store and I get that kind of feeling from a salesperson, it's really a bit of a turnoff. And I think that that's the way that most people feel these days. You know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to get, get the service you want and solve problems versus having someone kind of drill you down until you just, uh, just say, yeah, do whatever and get out of my house the way that we really approach it is when i bring a you know a new salesperson onto our staff uh the first 30 days they don't get to chat with customers what they do is they sit down and they learn you know the the reasons for a contract i mean this business is called contracting and it starts with a contract and that document is designed to lay out the expectations of what is going to be uh, going on between the customer and the company you know the the really key to having a successful product uh, project is to make sure that as a contractor, we completely understand the expectations of a customer. And if we, you know, have a customer with some unreal expectations, we take it upon ourselves to let them know what the real expectations are. And I tell my salespeople that I have no problem with them walking away from a sale and a job if a customer does not have the proper expectations. Not every customer is for us, and we're not for every customer out there and the reason we do so well is because we're not afraid to, to kind of take the lead and tell a customer, hey, if you want to hire a professional, then here's our professional advice and here's the expectations that go along with it. So that's what we do is we start uh, with our salespeople learning how to, uh, how to really make sure that they're solving problems and setting proper expectations for customers and not just throwing in a bunch of, yeah, we can do that, yeah, we can do that, whatever it takes to get the sale kind of stuff.
1: Hmm. And you're so right that uh, the, the high-pressure approach, uh, which had been successful for years and apparently still have some level of success, is just not well taken by today's savvy consumer and savvy homeowner. They don't want that. They don't want people coming into their home and bonking them over the head and beating them into submission. And I really applaud you for not taking that approach.
0: Absolutely, Frank. And just to expand on that just a, a little bit, you know, humans, we are, we're finicky people. And when it comes to separating with, uh, you know, with our our cash uh, for whatever it is, uh, cash is like our security blanket. It's uh, what puts food on our tables. It's what, uh, no pun intended, keeps a roof over our head and Mm. things of that nature. So, uh, you know, so humans and and our customers, they absolutely need a salesperson to help them understand what the project is and help them, you know, kind of learn how to part with that cash in return for the service that they need so so sales and, and, uh, and a good salesperson is very very important but the methodology in which it's been done over the years with the high pressure and the tie downs and the kind of I'm sitting in this seat until you say yes kind of stuff that's for the birds uh, right now we want to educate our customers and give them the space that they need to to feel like they're making an educated decision and uh, you know half the time uh, they say yes to us and half the time they say you know what we're gonna go a different route and that's fine by me if we can get half the people to say yes um, then we'll, we'll get them served well.
1: Something occurs to me I want to ask you about. I would imagine uh, that you just stated on the one hand that you walk away from certain projects if you feel as though you just can't have a meeting of the minds and setting uh, realistic expectations with the homeowner. Um, and obviously that means those are jobs that you won't do and revenue you won't recognize. I wonder uh, what your reaction is to this statement though, that because you do work exclusively with people for whom you have a meeting of the minds, does that result in more repeat and referral business?
0: Repeat and referrals are about 70% of our business uh, yeah. as far as tool stuff goes in. I mean, um, we have a customer that uh, that has a really great experience with us and uh, we reinforce the fact that, you know, listen, um, you know, if you, if you enjoyed your experience, and you know that uh, 80% of the, the people out there are having a bad experience with contractors, why not save your friends and family the hassle and make an introduction? You know, there's no pressure that goes along with it, but a lot of people really wanna take care of their friends and family. And so a quick introduction to a company that cares uh, really goes a long way. So, so yes, it, uh, we, we do have the meeting of the minds and we, uh, we reinforce that we're working with people that are, are similar. And you and I, Frank, we're, we're creatures of habit and we like to be around people like us. So if, if I enjoy that, uh, that kind of experience, I probably hang out with people that have a similar enjoyment of that experience with a contractor. And so we get Mm -hmm. in that market, we try to stay and and serve those people the best we can.
1: That's great. Very smart. Stay in your lane, serve the people for whom uh, your value proposition resonates. Now, the next thing is, and and this is a particular rub uh, for home improvement companies, I guess for every company, you've successfully sold the job. Now you have to successfully produce the job. And in the case of home improvement, as uh, I used to say in the printing industry, there's a thousand ways the job can go wrong from the beginning to the end. So I would imagine that you've taken, as you've done with sales, a unique uh, approach to production that, and it starts with, I'm sure, as you mentioned, setting realistic expectations. But if you would talk about your approach to production and why it's worked so well
0: well uh, the first the first part of production starts with sales going <laughs> mm. back there but uh, really what we do is we uh, we sit down and we kind of let the the homeowners and our customers know the most common things that can go wrong with the project and the you know we're not perfect we don't walk on water and we're not batting a thousand but what we do, Is we allow customers to understand that there are speed bumps that go along with the project and to let them know that they can just take a deep breath and relax. They're working with a company where when those speed bumps do come up, we handle them, we get them taken care of, and we get to the other side of the project with some smiling, happy faces. And so that's the first thing is it's just kind of really setting the expectations that, yes, things can go wrong. Now, the second part of that is, um, again, with uh, with the really high-pressure sales organization, you've got sales guys that all they focus on is getting a piece of paper signed and bringing a check back to the office, whereas our team, what I expect my sales force to do is to turn in a job that has a complete labor and uh, material order for that uh, that project that really, in the absence of the salesman being there, that everyone can understand and get that job done right because the hardest thing that we do to make stuff happen on a larger scale of company like ours is have that translation of the conversation and the expectations with the customer translating that through our production department into the hands of our, our labor Mm -hmm. and the labor with the tool belts and the hammers and the nail guns. These guys are hardworking individuals. However, they may not have the, you know, the same kind of um, you know, Uh, understanding of how the business runs. So making sure we're giving them very specific uh, items that need to be taken care of um, and they understand what they're doing and they understand what the customer expects, then we have a much higher chance of finishing it out. And the last bit of it is putting the final inspection of the job back into the salesman's pocket. Again, with our company, it's not gonna be a salesman that you see once, they sign a piece of paper and you never see him again. The same same person that you talk to and, and set your expectations with, They're going to visit that project and visit with you at the end of the job to make sure that everything that you were promised was delivered, that the job looks the way it's supposed to, that things are cleaned up and that when it's all said and done, that our customers have absolutely zero hesitation of saying, yes, I would recommend your company. And so that's really what it comes down to is having that care and desire of getting that referral. And the only way to do that is to set the expectations and follow through with it. So... Hmm. Uh, a lot I, of other things that go in there are going to be, you know, some trainings uh, that to, to keep our our people up with modern and uh, you know practices and techniques, and making sure that we're putting the proper materials and and products um, in front of our customers and, and on their homes. But um, but yeah, that's that's where it comes down to do, is just having the care and the desire to do the right thing.
1: I have some small amount of experience in the home improvement uh, industry. I'm not sure I've ever heard of a company that does that. Uh, is that a you know 25% or 33% of companies have the salesperson maintain responsibility throughout the process or is that something fairly re- unique to you guys?
0: Well, it, um, it depends. I mean, I've, uh, I've worked in this industry for quite a few years and I've been in companies where, you know, a salesman's only job is again to get that paper and move on to the next one. And mm-hmm. then I've also worked in companies where, you know, it's, a, uh, it's your project from beginning to end as a salesperson. So, uh, I simply prefer to surround myself with like-minded individuals. And so my sales force, I want to make sure that they are emotionally uh, attached to our customers and absolutely want to be the service providers. I don't this want is- someone that just simply is uh, looking after getting a quick commission check and moving on to the next one. Um, you know, I want to hire someone that, uh, that lives and breathes our core values.
1: That's just great. That's just great. I uh, just painted such a wonderful picture of, people who are the whole team and the and the level of communication going on from beginning to end, you know, when you, when you said that about the guys with the uh, nail guns and the hammers, it, you you sound like a coach. I'm giving them the best opportunity to win. Uh, every, every resource they need to succeed at their job and not putting obstacles in their way, which in many times come down to communication, not clearly communicating what the expectation of the homeowner or the project is, uh, I just whatever I got to congratulate you on that it's because it is in my experience at least very unusual
0: no I, I appreciate that Frank but uh, it's kind of funny that we uh, we've kind of got nine core values that uh, that we practice here in our firm and communication is uh, is one of those clear concise communication <laughs> between all levels is one of our core values so uh, you know we, we live and breathe it that's great
1: well let's move on to that third area which is efficient administration uh, and again a lot like communication and I'm sure communication plays a big part in why you're so successful in the area of administration. But administration's an area where a lot of companies just don't even do it, much less focus on it and, and excel at it. How did it come clear to you that admin was such a critical success factor, and what is it that you do differently from many of your peers?
0: Well, um, I'm not sure what it is that I do differently than, than other folks, but the, uh, the moment it became clear was, uh, was very early on when, uh, when I was kind of moving through. I was trying to, to stumble and figure out. I entered this business as a salesperson um, and when I started my own company, I did not have all of the, the pieces of the puzzle put together. And so, I was reaching out for, for my own coaching and my own uh, exploration of new ideas and one of the things that uh, that really struck me is a, a fellow entrepreneur um, that said that you know what you need to do is you need to look at building your business as building a saleable asset and so mm-hmm. by building a saleable asset, you need to have records you need to have processes you need to have procedures that that go with it and so uh, I really kind of looked at it from the get go is that the better I am at documenting and organizing everything from the management of the company to the uh, the management of our customer files and the management of our accounting, the better records that I have, the much easier it's going to be when we uh, expand our company and add people to the team to be able to find that information and, and keep, a, keep up with our customers. There's nothing more frustrating than calling a company and you have a problem with your bill and they can't figure out what's going on with your bill or, or what services they provided you. And you know, for me as a, as a business owner, I really don't like telling customers I'm sorry. I much prefer to tell them, you know, you're welcome when they say thank you for things. And so, uh, so we, we really focus on that aspect is to keep ourselves organized to to make sure we know what we're doing for our customers. And then, one of the things I always tell my, my team as we've been growing over the years is while it's, it's easy to do stuff when the, it's a, a two-man team or a four-man team or, you know, a, a small group of people working together, when we start adding layers of, of management and, and extra people to the team, if we're not all practicing the same um, procedures and doing things the same way and everyone's kind of doing stuff a little bit different, it can cause havoc and and really bring down the company. And so by focusing on doing things, even when it doesn't make sense to do it by the books, we still do it by the books because Mm -hmm. we know that at a $10 million company level or a $60 million company level, if we're not doing things by the books, then we're doing them wrong.
1: You know, the systematic approach that you take to every aspect of your business uh, makes me wanna ask you about your background and and where do you think, how much of that is nature and how much of that is nurture? Uh, And you know, in other words, how much of uh, being so structured in your approach you were born with and how much of it has to do with your background?
0: Well, I tell you um, the the nature part, for me is really the, the drive and desire to be, to be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was, I was born, uh, with a uh, cleft lip and a palate. So when you, you take a look at me, I, I have a little bit of a facial deformity and kids are cruel. So I didn't have the easiest upbringing as a child, but I knew that if I was, um, if I succeeded say in wrestling or at, on the track field or, or try to get good grades, um, you know, I didn't have to, to look the part to get the accolades of being, being good. So having that drive and desire was the, uh, was the nature, I guess, just coming up. Hmm. The nurture part, if you can call it nurture, <laughs> is uh, my time in the Marine Corps, which really gave me the structure and the discipline to to understand that there's a, there's a reason to do stuff by the books. And, and I'll just give you a quick example. And this is, um, this is something that uh, that's always stuck with me and I really kind of talked to my team about. When you're in the military, and especially in an infantry unit, and you're getting ready to go out onto a, um, you know, a combat patrol or just out somewhere, one of the things that's going to happen is you're going to have a gear inspection. You're going to have the, uh, the platoon commander, the platoon sergeant is going to walk through and they're checking everyone's pack and weapons and, and pack out to make sure that the first aid kit is in the same place for everyone. That the extra ammunition is in the same place for everyone that the water, that the, the extra socks that everything is in the same place for everyone. And this is so that in the heat of the moment when all heck is breaking loose and you need to get something, it doesn't matter if you look to the left or right, you can reach into your buddy's pack and pull out exactly what you need because you know where it's at. And so by taking that mindset that I learned very early on in my Marine Corps career and applying that to my business structure to know that hey, it doesn't matter if we have 10 people or 40 people, if everything's done the right way, everyone can go to the same spot, get the same information and service our customers well, that has what you know the nurture part of the Marine Corps gave me as far as the discipline to to have the structure.
1: Wow, I'm so glad I asked you that question and I must admit I never looked at the Marine Corps as being a nurturing
0: organization before.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> know, right? They but, are,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah, they they have a tendency to uh, to nurture you in uh, in a very different way and I'm, <laughs> I'm glad it happened, but uh I still have a shuddering nightmare every now and again. That's great. Yeah, well they they really
1: do care. There's no question about that. They really are passionate about what they do, and uh, what a tremendously uh, informative answer. You just gave me and an inspiring one. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Now, one thing that you and Orion are doing that is clearly completely different from uh, other home improvement companies is that you're actually writing and publishing a book designed to help homeowners understand the systems of their house and and, uh, maintenance and repair and that kind of thing. What what's the idea behind this book, and and what can consumers expect or homeowners expect when they read it?
0: Well, you know, it's um, it's all about making sure that customers have a good experience, and I don't care if it's with me or they choose to do business with somebody else, or if they're halfway across the world and they need to read this book to get some information. What we find is that um, that you know about eighty percent of people who purchase a contracting project uh, and go with the kind of a lower price, um, you know, on those, uh, those bids that they get, they're not satisfied with the job as it finishes out. And so, by taking that mindset and saying, hey, guess what? Somebody does not know how to hire a contractor and how to vet the contracting process. Why can't I help them and teach them how to do it? And so that's really what the, uh, the inspiration was behind there is to help people understand what goes into it and, and not just taking some chuck in a truck that's out to, you know, keep his crew busy and, and put some food on the table, which is important, but they may not have the customer's best interests at heart. They may be just trying to do something, like I said, to put a little bread in their pocket and, and, and stay busy versus a company who's looking to solve problems and understand what the needs are and deliver a great, a great service. And a customer doesn't know the difference between the two. They think I have a roof or I have siding, it needs to be replaced. How much does it cost? And that's it. But there's so much more that goes into it, especially just the, the selection of a contractor and, and what questions to ask. So by putting this stuff out there in the world for people to, uh, to understand a small investment of time into reading this and educating themselves is going to save them thousands of dollars and, and possibly potentially weeks of headaches and trying to get stuff done uh, by, because they have chose the wrong contractor or the wrong project.
1: That's great stuff. I, uh, I, th- what you just described there is what I call the generous educator and sincere advocate for the success of his audience. And, uh, you know, you, the type of experience that you've had in home improvement and working hundreds and hundreds of different projects was like you, you mentioned that average person might do it once or twice in a lifetime, but you do it 20, 30, 40 times a month. Uh, clearly your perspective on these topics are, are very valuable to people. And I, I really congratulate you for taking the time and trouble to put that information together for people. And I know homeowners will get a lot out of it. Well, Jeremiah, I appreciate you taking your time to uh, share with us today. We're just about out of time. Uh, if somebody wanted to connect with you uh, either to learn more about your book or Orion Home Improvements, what's the best way for them to connect?
0: Well, you know, um, I am always available um, with a quick phone call to our company. And, uh, you know, depending on where you're at, uh, you can always reach us online at O-R-I-O-N-H-I.com. That's Orionhi.com. com. Uh, it'll uh, give you plenty of ways to get to us. Um, I'm a, a professional out there on LinkedIn. So if you want to connect on LinkedIn, uh, publish a few articles about the challenges that I have as growing this business and always looking to meet other professionals and, especially homeowners. If uh, you've got a question, find me on Facebook, connect with us, uh, Orion Home Improvements on Facebook. And uh, we've got lots of folks that ask us questions, um, you know, from California to uh, to Nebraska. And even though they're not going to be ones that service us uh, or that we service, we're still going to give them the right answers and point them in the right direction. So uh, whatever well, way that you want to reach me, I'll be here to you know, <laughs> that
1: call. That's great. Well, I'll put a link to your uh, LinkedIn profile, a link to your website also in the show notes page for this episode. Is there a phone number that uh, people could reach out to you on?
0: Absolutely. If they want to dial 571-354-0331. Again, that's 571-354-0331. You're going to get the best admin reception in the uh, the area. (laughs) Take that phone call and, uh, and help you with whatever question you may have.
1: I would not be surprised that that will be their experience. Jeremiah Davies, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Frank, it's always a pleasure talking with you, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate the opportunity.
1: Thanks again to Jeremiah Davies, and thank you for listening. Now, here's what we need to do next. You need to head on over to the iTunes store and subscribe to the Radio Free Enterprise podcast. While you're there, why don't you leave us a glowing review and a nice five-star rating. And just ask Then head back over to RadioFreeEnterprise.com and register with the site so you can stay on top of all the exciting happenings here at RFEHQ. If you promise to do that for me, I promise to remain your fearless host, Frank Felker. Till next time, I'll see you on the radio.
0: Forgiving your entrepreneurial sins with a gentle wave of his microphone, here's Frank Felker.